Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Electric Leftovers. My name is Jason. This is episode 377. Uh, it's been it's been a week. Weird how that happens with this show, isn't it? It's like I planned it that way. On this week's show, we are going to look at Demon's Crest for the Super Nintendo. We're going to read some reviews for Defender. Get into some stuff at over, over at Oddity Central. One, one day I'll learn how to talk. And uh, we're going to listen to some Demon's Crest music, and we're going to talk about stuff. We're going to talk about brand new Final Fantasy VII. It's almost done over at the YouTube channel. We've got some uh, a new episode of the Jason vs. Phil Zelda II thing. Uh, this was close. He actually beat the boss of the dungeon before I did. But um, he didn't get the item. He had to go back. Yeah, poor guy. Spoiler alert. It went about as well as you could expect all the same. Um, got any other big news for you? Uh, the move thing. May have mentioned that a while ago. That's getting put on hold. Your old pal Jason here is probably going to need to go under the knife again to have another back thing fixed. And <sighs> You know, you ever get to the point where you're just disappointed so often that you don't even get disappointed anymore? You just kind of accept the fate that the universe has, has decided for you with quiet dignity. I like to think that's where I'm at right now. Probably not. Anyway, here's some here's some music after this.
The demon realm is peaceful until six wondrous stones fall from the sky. Each stone represents a portion of the demon's crest. When united, the stones of the demon's crest bring the user ultimate power over demons and humans. These stones were so highly sought that civil war broke out in the realm. The fight led to much bloodshed until one gargoyle emerged victorious, the red demon known as Firebrand. After Firebrand's final battle, his evil nemesis Phalanx ambushed Firebrand and stole the stones. Now Firebrand must recover the stones and unite the power of the Demon's Crest before both realms fall into the hands of the sinister Phalanx. This is Demon's Crest, an action game for the Super Nintendo, developed and published by Capcom, released in 1994, uh, requested by our old friend Scarlito Hashtag. Um, I don't know why he ended up with that name, but he did, and he stuck with it now. Uh, it's a sequel to... Um, I think it's Demon's Quest for the NES, which was a more RPG-ish looking thing. Demon's Crest uh, is more of an action-adventure exploration-y kind of game. The world's divvied up into stages. You can revisit stages once you unlock other abilities. Think, think like Metroid, but with a uh, Super Ghouls and Ghosts vibe. Very similar to that. It's a gorgeous game. Very, very pretty graphics. Some pretty good music. Uh, I feel like the gameplay, though, it, it hinders this game from being as great as it is. But I've got seven episodes in which you can check it out, and see uh, see how you think I I fared, and see where I get my opinions from. And um, if after all that you want to give it a try, I think you should. This is a, uh, quite a good game. I don't want to dump on it too hard. It's quite a good game.
Oh, let's see. <clears throat> Are there specific 2600 reviews? Yes. Well, there's only one that's short, though. So let's read that. Um, any other retro 9980? Hyper area? I think that's an I. Vegeta Man. Arcerium. 16 bitter. Oh, bitter. Ah, let's read, let's read these. Let's read these three. As you know, we're gonna read some reviews for Defender uh, for the Atari 2600, for the most part. I think two of these are gonna be for the arcade game, but it's, it's almost a straight port. Let's start with Rudolph the Red. And you probably could have got the red in there, Rudolph, if you hadn't started your name with an underscore. 2001, Rudolph says, a fun, fast-paced game. Defender is an arcade-style game in which you control a ship that must defeat hordes of enemies with your guns. There are somewhere... The enemies have my guns? Oh, no. There are somewhere around five different kinds of enemy spaceships. It's hard to pinpoint, so it's somewhere around five. Could be four, could be six, could be five. We'll never know. Each of them somewhat different than the others. The green ones are somewhat slow compared to the others, and their shots are slow-moving. They're pretty easy to hit. The purple or bluish ones that look like two squares put mine-like things in the air that kill you if you hit them, but they move slow and are very easy to hit. The yellow-brownish ones move fast and often jump around pretty quickly, making them hard to hit. And the blue-greenish ones move very fast and when you shoot them they release little brown ships. The little brown ones come seem to travel in groups and are harder to hit because of their small size and faster speed. Often, the green ships will peak pick people up off the ground and carry the comma to the top of the screen while you are in the ground levels. I'm assuming that comma was supposed to be an M. If they get to the top, they explode, killing the people. If you can manage to shoot a ship carrying a person and then pick up the person before they fall to the ground and then set them on the ground, you get extra points. To complete a level, you must destroy a certain number of ships or get a certain number of points. After a level is complete, you move on right as in, I'm writing a review, to the next level. And you are also told how many people you saved when it tells you your points. As far as controlling your ship, you use the joystick to move it right, left, up, down, and four diagonals. If you are facing one way and want to turn and face the other way, you have to wait a moment while your ship shifts to a different area of the screen. While you are waiting for it to shift, though, all of the enemies and their shots can still move, so you have to be careful about changing directions. To do a standard shot, you push the left side button. To do a special shot that destroys all enemies on screen, you push the right side button. I'm not sure, but I think you only get one or two of the special shots. If only there were a way to test that theory. Special shot not available in the Atari version. You start out with five lives, and if you lose any, it is possible to gain more as you advance. The game is for one or two people. If two people play, you just take turns back and forth. There are four levels of difficulty, and you will select that and the number of players at a blue screen. Example, pushing one will put you on easy one player. Pushing five will put you on easy two player. Now for the review. That wasn't even the review, can you believe it? Graphics three. Oh, he didn't even do the arcade version. It said arcade in the thing. Oh, no, no, excuse me. I was reading the wrong one. Graphics three, Rudolph says. Well, what can I say? The graphics are fine for a ColecoVision, but they are nowhere near today's standards. You don't say. 
You don't think Defender from 1981 is going to look that good in 2001? You dope. Basically, you have a few squares of color dots per ship and a white dot for shots. The people are bicolored rectangles and the background is black. The graphics, though, work fine for this game and don't detract from the game, although they don't add anything. Well, take them away and see what you think. Control and gameplay, nine. This is the best, this is the game's best R, period. Area, I'm guessing you meant to say. The control is very tight and you never die because your ship didn't do what you wanted it to do, except when changing direction. The gameplay is addicting and fun and will keep you shooting four hours. Not the number four, mind you, but you probably could. It is very fun and even better two-player when you can gloat how you can gloat over how you have ten thousand more points than them. Smiley face. Sound two. Hmm. I love that. I love that's just as good as ah. Hmm. You have a beeping sound when you fire, an exploding sound when you uh, an exploding sound you hear when a ship explodes and when you do your special shot, and a louder, bigger explosion sound when you kill a person or when an enemy kills a person, which doesn't make much sense. I thought you said the enemies explode when they pick up a person and kill it. After you complete a level, there is a little victory song, as well as one when you die. It serves its purpose, and nothing more. Story 1. There is none. You are a spaceship shooting enemy spaceships. Let's talk about this, just, just briefly. Story one. Well, I don't... That means it's a bad story. Lack of story is different than bad story. Right? Right? Put that... Give that a five. It's not going to matter anyway, as you will see in a minute. Replayability, ten. Defender is extremely addicting and fun and will keep you playing until your hand hurts from holding the awkward hard square controller and pushing really hard on the slippery joystick that keeps desperately trying to get back to its normal position of standing straight up. But I digress. But you didn't digress. Summary. Defender is a very fun game that will keep you glued in front of your TV for a long time. While the graphics and sound are over 15 old, they don't detract from the gameplay. I think you know what he's trying to say. If you have a ColecoVision and can find this game, I would definitely recommend this game for anyone. He gave it an 8. I had a Coleco. We had a 2600 and a Coleco. I don't think I had Defender for the Coleco, though. He gave it an eight total uh, out of the five for a possible 50, 50 points. Uh, he gave it 25, which really means it's worth a five, which is why that story being a one didn't factor into anything. Um, Rudolph, I, I got nothing. Your, your review wasn't terrible. It wasn't, wasn't great. It's just a little weird. Uh, 16 Bitter. In 2018, says, Defending my planet is all that I do, and then included some screenshots. Defender is a classic early 80s arcade shooter by Williams Electronics. Well, it even says right there, copyright 1980. The 2600 version was a year later. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, William Electronics, their first video game after a few decades of exclusively manufacturing pinball machines. Designed by Eugene Jarvis, Defender brought them out of the past and into the cutting edge with one of the most visually entrancing and mechanically complex shooters of the day. Featuring unique mechanics and a brutal difficulty curve, few games from the area are even close to as exciting and demanding. 
Players pilot their starfighter or over a horizontally free-scrolling wraparound planet surface populated with fragile humanoids. Waves of alien invaders will, will spawn in, excuse me, uh, and must be eliminated completely to reach the next wave, which will contain more numerous attackers and a few new varieties. The distinguishing aspect of Defender is the fact that the common green lander ships will attempt to capture the humanoids, whom you must rescue by shooting the lander, and not shooting the humanoid, and then catching them and returning them to the surface, if they're more than just a few body lengths from the ground. Failure to rescue them results in the lander turning into an aggressive mutant, which will attack you directly rather than just coasting the surface looking for humanoids and occasionally firing off a pot shot. Also distinguishing is the fact that if you lose all the humanoids through capture or from accidentally shooting them, the game does not end. Instead, you're treated to a colossal explosion as the planet evaporates and the screen is overrun with mutants. It's possible to survive long enough to earn back the planet, but the game is much, much harder when this happens, as one might expect. Insert screenshot. And the game is already extraordinarily difficult. Part of this is due to how much stuff is going on at any given time. Two rounds in and there will be dozens of small ships and mine layers blanketing the screen and making the game a tense, twitchy affair. The other part is in how complex the control scheme is. While some ports would later simplify it a bit, the original arcade game had five buttons. I had no idea. Thrust, reverse, shoot, bomb, and hyperspace. Naturally, just getting your ship to move the way you like will take some getting used to, and mastering shooting will take even longer, and the unwieldy hyperspace warp even longer still if you use it at all. I don't think any of that was in the 2600 version. I think it was just move and shoot. Visually, the game is very nice looking with your shots leaving colorful trails and the simple designs popping out wonderfully, not to mention the awe-inspiring planet explosion. Sound effects are unique and entertaining, like so many others from the so-called golden age of arcade gaming, though you'll mostly just be listening to the sounds of your engine and your shots since there's no music. The high difficulty level might be a turnoff, but I can still recommend it for a go if you come across it, at least for historical value. 16 bitter gave it an 8. Didn't really get into much, did they? Mostly gameplay. Not, not a bad review. Uh, lots of parentheses, but no comma, parentheses, comma, end parentheses, comma stuff. So, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Good job. And now, T. Goldberg in 2009 with our Atari 2600 review. Let's see what old Mr. Goldberg had to say. Defender feels like a college programming project that was never finished. They begin. Defender was originally released by Williams in the arcades and was a huge hit. Naturally, Atari wanted to make a version for their 2600 system. The Atari version was also a success and unlike Pac-Man, did not get any flack for its glaring flaws. Well, I'm here to tell you how bad this version really is, especially when compared to its superb arcade counterpart. Sidebar, dear viewer, dear listener. This drives me nuts. It's an arcade game that was ported to a home system. Now, an arcade game, arcade has one job, and that is to play that one game. That's all it has to do. That's what it's built to do. That's what it's designed to do. Right? And then Atari 2600 is supposed to play a multitude of games. So it's it's not built to do just one. Saying that the Atari version is not as good as the arcade version is like saying this Swiss Army knife is terrible because I can't use it 
to to butcher this roast. This this hunk of meat. If if my Swiss Army knife would only work like a butcher knife, it would be so much better. Does that make sense? Sure it does. Gameplay 4.9. Oh, decimals, I love it. And it's not like halves and quarters. He's he's using all of them. Uh, like Pac-Man, all of the basic elements are there, but they're executed in a very bad way. You play as a spaceship called the Defender, who must shoot down the attacking aliens who want to kidnap and mutate the humans. In each wave, a certain number of aliens appear, which you must shoot to win the wave. This all sounds fine, but when you actually play it, you realize what a travesty this game is. To begin with, the aliens flicker terribly and present very little challenge. Your ship disappears when you shoot, aliens move like their feet are ablaze, and using the smart bomb and hyperspace abilities are annoying, forcing you to go off screen to activate them. Couple that with the awkward scrolling and you've got one half-busted game on your hands. I'm, I'm positive. There was no hyperspace or other thing, because there's only one button on the 2600. No matter what joystick, if you had the paddle, you had two, but you can't play Defender with the paddle. And the joystick was just joystick one button, and there was the little flight stick, which I think had two buttons, but they just did the same thing, because we had one. Anyway, you know what? I'll check. Graphics, 5.7. Defender doesn't look a whole lot better than it plays either. The mountain ranges of the arcade version have been replaced with the city landscape, which, while it makes more sense, looks horribly blocky and seems far too short and wide for a normal city. Another gripe is the fact that people are just little white blocks who look too large for those tiny buildings. Also, most of the enemy sprites look more blocky and generic than they did originally, as does your ship. <clears throat> Again, Swiss Army Knife. Sound 4. Just like the graphics, the sound is hopelessly generic. All of it is just simple blip or foosh noises that don't suit the game well at all. There really isn't much else to say about the sound. What did you want in 1981, Mr. Goldberg? Value 2. All you're getting for your money is a horribly lackluster version of a great arcade game. Even with how cheap this game is, you'll still feel burned that you paid good hard cash for this disappointing game. You can probably find a copy of Defender for less than 5 bucks. Or at least... When I was buying 2,600 games again, I know I saw it for around $3. Overall, 4. This version of Defender feels like a college programming project that was never finished. I like that you copied your, your, your headline and put it in your thing. Even if you've never played the arcade version, this lackluster 2,600 version will do nothing to satisfy you. Rating, 4. We're going to look at something. I don't even know if the battery's good. Nope, we're on, man. You can't see. I've got this little handheld 2600. Look, there's Adventure. Adventure 2. Air Raiders. Aquaventure. Asteroids. This doesn't have Defender on it? I was sure it did. Got Xevious, Yar's Revenge, Yar's Return. Hmm. Here's the Pac Man he was talking about. 
There were two versions of Pac-Man for the Atari, and one of them was really good, and one of them's not very good. And I think he's talking about the not very good one. But I actually kind of liked the not very good one. Huh. I have Double Dunk, Fire World, Frog Pond, Circus Atari, Human Cannonball, but I don't see Defender. That is not, that is not the music that Pac-Man played. We'll put that away. Anyway, uh, it gave it a four. T. Goldberg did. Um, let's check their math here. One, two, three, four, we got five. Four. Yeah, it's about right. Slightly under half. Um... So, here's the thing. I really like Defender. Defender was one of my favorite games to play when we had our 2600. I played a hell of a lot of Defender, Adventure, Jungle Hunt, and Miss Pac-Man. I thought Miss Pac-Man was excellent. And, you know, it's 1981. This game was older than me. And I don't look good. And I don't run good. And I don't sound great, operate correctly. You know, that's how that goes. So, I don't, one of them, one of our reviewers was comparing it, you know, games of its time doesn't hold up well today kind of a thing. Um, you can't do that. And like we talked about the uh, Swiss Army Knife thing, you can't compare a home port to an arcade version. Because it's different. It's a different thing. So I think all that's kind of kind of nonsense. Considering that this is 1981, it's William's first arcade game, and then it's been ported from that original. I think Defender is fine. Um, it looks good. It plays good. It sounds good, and there there's nothing about it that is bad. When, when you look at it contextually, there's nothing about it that is bad. When you look at it, obviously, like, stupidly, um, compared to modern games, you're gonna, you're gonna be disappointed in it, because this game is 40 years old. So you can't do that. And I don't think you should do that. Because it's a bad idea. I don't know. I just, I, I really like the game. I think it's a good, solid game. There's nothing really wrong with it. It just, you know, you get what you get. You, it plays the way it should play. It does what it should do. And as long as you're not going in expecting you know, Wing Commander, you're going to have a fun time. You're going to have a fine time.
Finding news today was a little difficult um, because there's a lot of good stories. Uh, we're going to read four, and a couple of them are kind of short, so stick with me. What we aren't going to read about is the Japanese civil servant that was fined $11,000 for smoking on the job. That doesn't sound like much, is it? Except he smoked on the job 4,512 times in 14 years. Equivalent to 355 hours. We are not going to read about a man who climbs a 4,100 meter mountain in a three-piece suit and leather shoes. That is not interesting to me. Uh, we've talked about, or I've talked about, I've complained about stupid videos that I see on YouTube. Like, can you beat Dark Souls using only punches? Yes, you can. Yes, you absolutely can. Is it going to be really annoying and obnoxious? Yes, it is. This is that in real life. Can you climb a mountain in a three-piece suit? Yes. Big deal. Uh, we are not going to read about a purse made out of a meteorite that cost $43,000. It looks like a weight. Uh, talented soap makers' creations look good enough to eat. Soap, sculpt, soap sculptures. Wax and plastic Japanese food. Um, German brewery claims its beer in powder form could change the industry forever. Do like me some powdered beer. Or not. Uh, the disturbing story of a family who jumped from the 7th floor of their apartment building. We're not going to read that one. The Holm, the world's most expensive mansion. $300 million. And then we get back to our last week's story. But we're going to read news stories this week, because that's what we do. We don't want the old news. That's old news. Let's meet George, the creepy doll made with a real person's hair and eyes. George here looks like he should have been in, like an extra on Willow. Nottingham's Haunted Museum is home to many macabre and fear-inducing attractions, but few as disturbing as George, a 1930s doll reportedly made using a dead person's eyes and hair. Reportedly. Test it. Marie Wesson, who founded the Haunted Museum of Nottingham with her husband in 2018, recently met antique expert Charlie Ross on BBC's popular TV show Bargain Hunt. He was looking for a doll made out of people parts and wanted a deal. She brought along a couple of her most disturbing exhibits, one of which was George, a bizarre-looking doll dating back to 1930s Texas that managed to freak out Ross with its sulking expression and bright blue eyes. As it turns out, there's more to George's creepiness and his facial expression. He comes from a time when people made such dolls in memory of their loved ones. Only in his case, the person who made him used the loved one's actual hair and their glass eyes. Oh, so they're not real eyes. See, that that's, should be in the lead. Uh, he came to us from Texas, and back in the day, they would make things like George in memory of past loved ones, Wesson said on the show. The difference was with George is the past loved one. George now has his glass eyes and hair. And two glass eyes, I, I guess. When asked about George's origins, Murray Wesson said the person they got it from came to them because his family was experiencing, quote, a lot of paranormal things with him, and they apparently wanted nothing more to do with the doll. They would get headaches, and their eyes would start hurting, so they took him to a few mediums, and apparently George wants his eyes and hair back. He can't rest without them, the museum owner added. Obviously, all this paranormal stuff is impossible to prove, 
Thank you, Oddity Central. But judging by viewers' reactions, most people would rather George had remained in Texas just to be safe. Would you want him anywhere near you? That doll should have stayed in Texas. I can't look at the TV. I hate dolls. One bargain hunter fan tweeted, If disturbing dolls are your thing, check out Okiku, the creepy Japanese doll that allegedly grows human hair. If only there were a way to test that. If only. If only. Our next story. Man exercises eight hours a day for 20 years. Now he can't walk. Exercise is bad for you, man. All things in moderation, ladies and gentlemen. A 60-year-old man who used to work out for eight hours a day, walking, jogging, and doing hundreds of sit-ups, developed severe degenerative arthritis and is barely able to move because of the pain. Buddy, I feel you. I feel you, man. I got the arthritis, too. They say too much of a good thing is usually bad for you, and apparently exercise is no exception. Chinese newspaper Shangxi Daily recently featured the tragic story of a 60-year-old man from Hanan who only recently discovered exercise, uh, excuse me, who only discovered exercising in his early 40s, only to start overdoing it to such an extent that he pretty much ruined his joints. The Zhengzhou-based man reportedly exercised about two and a half hours every morning, walking, running, and doing pull-ups, then swam for about 200 hour, uh, two hours, and then did 800 sit-ups a day, plus hundreds of push-ups and some badminton to top it all off. What did you do? Eight hours a day, man. Unfortunately, his body eventually gave in and he started experiencing severe pain in his joints. It's unclear whether the man followed this extreme training regimen daily, which seems impossible unless he was a fitness instructor or unemployed, or if he exercised up to eight hours per day. That was my question. Regardless, he has been going at it for about 20 years until a few weeks ago when his knees and elbows became unbearably painful to the point where he could no longer move. The fitness fanatic's family took him to the Liaoyang Orthopedic Hospital in Henan Province after his joint pain became excruciating, and the doctors there diagnosed him with severe degenerative arthritis, hyperplasia, and degeneration of the elbow joint, all caused by excessive exercise. Liang Ji, the director of the Liaoyang excuse me, Orthopedic Hospital, took to Weibo to remind the general public that exercise should be moderate and that people should start with easy exercises and find a sport they enjoy. For most people, exercising three to five times a week for just one to one and a half hours is optimal. Your old pal Jason, when it is uh, summertime at work, which uh, I'm recording this on March 27th this year, and it snowed yesterday, like all day, and we're still 20 degrees below our normal temperature. Climate change is a bitch. Uh, your old pal Jason in the summer months will walk like seven hours a day on average. In the winter months, though, no way. I'm a mammal. I hibernate. Our next story. 29-year-old woman poses as teenage high school student to relieve, relieve, relive glory days. But that says relieve. Relieve them glory days. A 29-year-old South Korean woman who forged her birth certificate in order to pose as a 16-year-old teenager and enroll at a New Jersey high school claims she did it only out of nostalgia. Are South Korean and New Jersey high schools that similar? In January of this year, 
Hye Jong Shin, a 29-year-old South Korean woman and legal resident of the United States of America, made international news headlines after being caught pretending to be a 16-year-old girl at a New Brunswick high school in New Jersey. Just a few days into her high school adventure, New Brunswick staff discovered that she had faked her birth certificate in order to gain admission. The discovery was made during the vetting process, but recently revealed information suggests that Shin was also reported by a number of students whom she had started acting weird with. The young Korean woman's claim that she never intended to hurt anyone and that she merely wanted to relieve the experience that made her feel the safest growing up. You're going to keep spelling it wrong. I'm going to keep saying it wrong. At no time was any anyone or any student in danger, and this entire case is more about my client wanting to return to a place of safety and welcoming in a new environment that she looks back on fondly, and nothing more, Darren Gelber, Shin's attorney, told a court of law. Miss Shin recently pleaded guilty to a number of charges that could carry a maximum penalty of five years in prison, but her attorney is desperately trying to convince the court that his client was lonely and confused. She was coming off a contentious divorce and her entire family was in South Korea, so she had no one around to support her. Shin ultimately fell back on her time in high school and the atmosphere she missed so much, so she decided to fake her way back into school. Attorney Gelber admitted the whole situation is very bizarre and may be very difficult for people to understand, but added that while there are personal issues Heyong Shin needs to deal with, she never intended to hurt anyone. Apparently, Shin's youthful appearance fooled both the high school staff and other teenage students as no one suspected that she was over a decade than her peers decade older, maybe, but it was the document vetting process and her weird attitude to other students that ha she had invited to hang out that gave her away. I had a great time in high school. I had, I had fun, man. There was, there was much more good times than bad times when I went to school. Because I, you know, didn't take no crap from nobody. No, I, I, um, ever, ever the cynic um, was even, you know, a bit of a, uh, uh, I could talk to the staff about things that the staff was aware of. Like, I had a mass media class, and the, the teacher and I talked movies, because I was the only one in the class who had seen most of the movies that she talked about. Anyway, our final story, Parents Engaged in Legal Battle for the right to name their baby Hades. A young couple in France is currently engaged in the legal battle for the right to name their baby Hades, a name made famous by the god of the underworld from Greek mythology. That's right, he took it on the road. Christina Degres and Rodrigo Velasquez, a young couple from the historic French port city of Saint Malo, which happens to have the highest and most spectacular tides in Europe, well, that sounds like editorializing to me, had their first baby in September of last year. <clears throat> However, they still don't have their livret de famille, a mandatory document obtained when a child is born or adopted by an individual or a couple because the public prosecutor of St. Malo refuses to accept the baby's name. Baby Hades is a little angel, but to anyone familiar with Greek mythology, his name is synonymous with the god of the underworld, the realm of the dead. Oh no! What was that lady's name that refused to do a uh, same-sex marriage license? This is the French version of that. Nobody makes the connection. In the maternity ward, it didn't shock anyone. On the contrary, people like it. Christina, the baby's mother, protested. We chose this name simply because we thought it was pretty. Hades Velasquez de Guerre sounds good. In France, as in many other civilized countries around the world, parents just can't name their babies whatever they want. Civilized. 
Uh, if authorities consider the name goes against the interest of the child, they have the power to ask the parents to change it. And in this case, the public prosecutor decided that the negative connotation of Hades as the god of the underworld, whose task it is to prevent the dead from leaving, was inappropriate. Also, this prosecutor, pro-zombie. No one should be pro-zombie. Zombies are dumb. We do not understand this decision. We do not believe that we have chosen a first name that is prejudicial to him, Christina added. We didn't call him Lucifer or Satan. We're not stupid. We just wanted an original first name, which sounded good. When Rodrigo suggested Hades to me, I immediately liked it. The couple has hired a lawyer and is determined to fight tooth and nail for the right to keep the name chosen for their baby. They have already identified several other, several semicolon other parents who previously opted for the same name, 12 of them in 2020 alone without any opposition. They've even contacted the parents to confirm that the child grew up okay and without being teased because of their names. It's an old first name, which is not ridiculous, and we really don't see why the St. Malo Public Prosecutor's Office decided to sue, while the other public prosecutor's offices in France had no objection to this first name, the couple's lawyer said. The court is due to render its deliberation in this case on April 4th. Should it uphold the public prosecutor's decision, the French couple will have to opt for another name. The parents have already stated their intention to appeal in case the court rules against them. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You name your kid whatever the hell you want. Just do it, man. Just do it. It's going to be fine. There's going to be a million other things that your kid is going to get made fun of other than their name. Right? The, the haircut. Their face. Your face. Hundreds of other things. If this, if this prosecutor is so worried that the name uh, of the kid is going to be an issue, then this prosecutor has not spent enough time with kids. And, and maybe that's for the best. Maybe that's for the best. gentlemen that is going to do it for this week's edition of that old classic electric leftovers hope you enjoyed the show i appreciate you listening to it if you'd like to please consider subscribing leave us a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts 
And I mean that literally wherever. If, if you're getting your podcast somewhere and you're not getting this one, I don't know how you're here. I really don't. But if there is a place that you get podcasts and you can't find this one, let me know and I'll get that added. I can do that. I, like He-Man, have the power. I'm like He-Man in many ways. It's often been said. If you would like to check out videos for uh, Demon's Quest, Defender, Final Fantasy VII, Medieval, which we are hopefully finishing up the stream of tonight, and all of that other stuff, go and visit Jason's Groove Machine on YouTube. If you'd like to attend one of our weekly live streams, Monday, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, you can find me on Twitch at Jason's Groove Machine over there. And I got a new follower, and I don't have your name anymore. I apologize, but thank you for following over on Twitch. I appreciate it. And thanks to all the new subscribers that we've got over on the YouTube channel as well. Uh, still doing the YouTube soundtracks uh, at Groove Machine soundtracks on YouTube. And the last one we did was Anticipation. For the NES, and uh, you can find Electric Leftovers also on YouTube as well if you want to do it that way. You don't have to. Whatever you want. It's cool. If you'd like to financially support the show and via the show me, uh, especially since surgery is expensive, man, uh, you can buy me a coffee. Just visit buymeacoffee.com slash electric left. You can buy me a coffee because I do drink my coffee. I've got a cup of it right here. All right, here we go. You and me together. Get yours. I'll give you a second. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. That's good. That's good coffee. That's good coffee. Anyway, thank y'all for listening. We'll see you next week.